Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? Well, there is a nice piece of stock music playing behind me that a talented composer worked really hard on. So let's enjoy it. Wow, almost overshadows the saving big when you switch to progressive parts. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Health Profession Scholarship Program from the U.S. Army Healthcare Team can offer full tuition for med students. That's the Army difference. Learn more at GoArmy.com slash tuition paid. We are in such a sex-negative cultural environment that by the time we are adults or young adults or whenever we're wanting to engage in sex, we're, for the most part, uneducated, clumsy, yeah. uh, nervous, uh, you know, disembodied, disconnected. I mean, we don't uh, have people understand the, the pace of sexuality, mm -hmm. uh, the components of being embodied, being present, being in your breath, being mindful, you know, getting there, right there in the right. moment with your partner, you know, be there, be embodied there fully. That's where you can begin to really explore the body, both sensually, uh, but also sexually, you know, and they're two different things that they can, and they're both important to explore. So people should be a, being educated just to explore touch, non-erotic touch right. with their right. partner. So, Let's talk about sex, sexual exploration, kink, all these different things. We need to have discussions about them and sexual integration, and we need to not be afraid to have open, honest, and mature discussions about this topic. Today, I bring on Dr. D's social network, Galen Faust, who's devoted his life to this work as a faculty member and researcher and to having these open conversations related to this topic. It's time to have a sexually mature conversation. And I believe that's what you're going to hear in this next episode with Galen Faust. All right, Galen, thank you so much for being with me. I appreciate it. Uh, it's a pleasure to join up here and uh, look forward to what might unfold in our conversation. You know what? That's the interesting thing. What might unfold? That's mm. yeah, I never know where things are going. But uh, when Deb sent me all your information, I said, man, I got to talk to this guy. I got to see mm. what this is all about. So tell me about let's go backwards, like where your career started and <clears throat> your interest and in everything. I think people are going to be very interested in what you do. Well, uh, I guess there's a couple of different versions of that, but maybe I can do a quick, long history because it really started uh, for me personally at around the time of I was five years old. Okay. This is the time where I first noticed my sexuality coming to life. You know, this uh, erotic fantasy, this uh, dimension of my little boy that was like way more mature or uh, mm -hmm. insightful or knowledgeable. It was a distinct persona. And it, that just captured my attention uh or it captured uh, the attention of what was in the environment i mean i i was raised in the 50s so at that mm. time everyone uh, the women wore skirts and girdles and nylons and high heels and i became just kind of enthralled by legs with high heels and mm. nylons on them you know and even at five years old i had no idea what i was doing but this just was the truth of, of what I was experiencing. So, you know, that later uh, evolved into more refined uh, uh, imaginal excursions into sexuality. And uh, it uh, wound up in my late 40s, finally, of realizing, well, I'm a kink-oriented man. There's no question okay. of, about it. That's what I'm compelled by, what I've sought out, etc. So, uh, I decided at that, and I'd also hidden that all my life. You know, I was afraid to reveal the truth of my sexuality, especially since it was so far out on the edge. And at the time in the 50s and the 60s, there was no sense that anyone else would think such things. I had no idea about that. But at my late 40s, 
close to 50, I decided to get real about my sexuality and just own it and, and claim it and uh, intend to be that. And I thought I was going to do that privately. I was going through a divorce mm-hmm. and I, I didn't divorce because of this, but I, when I was now divorcing, I realized, you know, it's time to get real in all regards. You know, I, I started on a mission to become, uh, you know, my authentic self or find, discover my authentic self. And that included sexuality. So I, uh, in the process of that, I wound up getting outed by my ex during the divorce to all our family, all her family, my kids, the employees of our business, all our couples, friends, et cetera, all my professional associates. And I became a persona non grata overnight and was mm. an outcast and was vilified. And with nobody asking me my side of the story, they just right. took what my ex said and ran with it. And, and I was suddenly an outcast overnight. So this, uh, I survived that. I rebuilt my relationship with my sons and stepped forward into my authentic life. But as the, as it was so damn difficult to do, I realized, wow, this is a thing a lot of people are facing of wanting to just, I would just want to be honest about who I am sexually. I want to come out in other words, you know, kind yeah. of as the term has been in the gay and lesbian tribes, but uh, in this kink sense, uh, this going through the ordeal that I went through, I had a great empathy for people struggling to get honest about their sexuality. And also it further evolved to, I understand that people have a birthright. I, I put it in terms of to claim their birthright as a sexual being. Sexuality is an integral part of uh, the of the human psyche and it's been the bastard of personality for thousands of years you know it's never been welcome to the table along with intellect creativity spirit and emotion as a as an a, a integral component of, of our overall being so right. that's a short version of how i got on this path i'm a therapist now i work with clients i do workshops i've written books and I teach other therapists about what I call sexual integration therapy. So that's kind of all of this culminated in yeah. what I call sexual integration therapy. You know, I want to go back a little bit, just especially for the listeners to understand the term kink and mm-hmm. to explain that a little bit further, just so we have a good kind of definition about that. Yeah, well, I can give you my definition and I've been yeah. working on this definition for some time and if uh, it's a, hopefully a thoughtful uh, and if not uh, closely models the situation of where I call kink a sexuality. I call it actually fetish sexuality mm-hmm. for someone who is authentically kinky, i.e. this is their 24-7 everyday yearning and lifestyle of what they seek, you know, just sexually. I mean, they might have that in their relationship dynamic in some way, but for sure in terms of their sexual engagements, it, it's it's about usually a power exchange uh, orientation of dominant and submissive one mm-hmm. controls one follows and uh, that's the uh, a key component of, of uh, people into the dsbdsm aspects of king ds means dominance and submission bdsm means uh bondage uh discipline sadism and masochism so, uh, but what I believe is going on and what's activating this sexuality, what's, what's driving it to orgasm, driving someone to orgasm when they are engaged in the fantasy or the action of it, is they are involved in a mythic story populated with archetypal figures uh, that, in, that are on this uh, symbolic epic journey towards orgasm. You know, it is a a paired bond between these two elements and a power exchange that dance as uh, daddy, daughter, mommy, son, Mm -hmm. uh, teacher, student, uh, you know, thug, victim, uh, you know, master, slave. It has all these elaborate uh, archetypal figures populating the fantasy. And, And what's happened in this current era for the first time I would imagine ever is People have actually been, because of the internet and uh, personal sites, people have actually been able to meet other people who have, who share, it's in the gene, so in other words, in the gene pool, 
is this population of what I call fetishsexuals, just like there's yeah. homosexuals in the population. And this is how I approach it is it, it is an innate inherent part of a person. It doesn't come from trauma or developmental mm. uh, experiences, uh, just like homosexuality doesn't come right from those uh, it's innate environmental right. instances instances so i'm making the case for kink as an authentic sexual identity that should be recognized as such and given the civil and the legal and the the social rights that uh everyone should have so uh but the key is uh, is for it i have a call it the personal erotic myth this is the individual version of kink it's personal and it's called the personal erotic myth so in that someone can discover i have a survey with over six thousand participants now that i'm analyzing the sexual subconscious and how these elements are distributed and how they interact how they're affected by shaming and judgment and fear that grow up but uh people can go to my website and take that uh survey it's free and it's also then you can uh, opt in to get the results of all 6,000 and see this amazing wow. uh, data wow. set of what is on people's minds. You know, it's not just data, it's also people offer their personal anecdotes or, or snippets of dialogue from their fantasy. And so it's really a rich uh, revelation of at least these 6,000 individuals of their sexual psyche. Um, so this is... Uh, that personal erotic myth is uh, what some can the, the survey is like a tool for the individual to discover more about what their truth is that drill down a bit so it's real helpful for an individual to come in contact and bring bring this to light many people are quite aware of what their sexual uh psyche looks like and who's populating it you know if if someone's uh, the dominant you know they know how this dominant talks, how it looks at someone, how it gives command, yeah. how it, it's already an innate personality that can embody when you're engaging in a consensual negotiated uh, way with a partner. That's interesting. So you mentioned that it sounds like that you think, believe this uh, an innate kind of like, like you said, birthright thing. Though, is there a large population of people who think differently? or other people who are researching and say, oh no, Galen, this is not a birthright. This is something because of uh, an activity that happened or particular set of experiences. Many therapists, unfortunately, have that attitude of, uh, because they don't think of it as a birthright, they think of it as an aberration, as mm. a deviancy, as a psychological disorder. Uh, even though, uh, you know, so, sex porn addiction therapy kind of is a broad brush that, that mm -hmm. is one of the only games in town really about the approach to dealing with some compulsive sexual behavior. Um, I look at that behavior as a symptom of a, of a, a deeper concern uh, that our conflict that the individual might be in. And that's the territory to, to work on, not on stopping the behavior and moralizing about the behavior. You know, the problem with sex porn addiction isn't the porn somebody's looking at or how often they're looking at it. The problem and the, the issue is the cover up. What all of the secrecy and hiding and lying and cheating and being irresponsible and spending money that maybe you don't really is part of the family money and then all these things that's the issue you know when you're so out of integrity with your agreements and your responsibilities and your uh relationships you know that's the problem it doesn't matter what porn somebody's looking at or whatever it's being dishonest about it being secret about it saying oh no i won't do that and then going and doing it you know right. this is the problem so uh, this is what I call, again, sexual integration therapy is an alternative to that model that allows someone to first yeah, claim your birth or recognize. I mean, this is the thing. Nobody nobody talks about that or encourages that. Did you know that you have a sexual birthright and you really get to be who you are sexually right. and negotiate that in your relationships? Nobody's talking to anybody like yeah. that about how bottom line this is, you know, that, yeah. So this is what I really encourage people to claim their birthright and 
negotiate for the type of sexuality that's true for them with their partners, you know? I mean, so many clients, unfortunately, I have, you know, are two or three decades into the relationship, yeah. and now they're finally ready to get real, you know, to get mm -hmm. honest, but they know, wow, uh, this is difficult. And it is, you know, when you, when you say so it's best to just start off the relationship right away with honesty, you know, with curiosity. I mean, yeah. it, this can open up the relationship for your partner goes, oh, wow, I could talk about my sexuality too. This would be great, you know, and it should be, I mean, because it's a gift to both of you. Our sexuality is truly a gift, both to ourselves, but to our partners as well. And when we can be honest about our sexuality, we, we really give permission to our partners to get to that honesty too. And, and you can learn to negotiate and consensually engage in, in your fantasies from mild to wild, you know, and, and the richness of, that's a treasure trove of erotic ecstasy when you can open yeah. up to the depths of your sexuality. So from this survey, uh, that's a lot of people, a lot of, da a lot of data. Mm -hmm. What have you learned generally so far from the data that you've collected? Well, I think the thing that stands out most to me is the impact of our developmental stages of life where we have been shamed, mm. uh, terrorized, or violated and traumatized uh, around our sexuality. And uh, the effect this has had on people's ability then, and as an adult, to express their sexuality honestly, gracefully, you know, confidently, is entangled among all of these uh, messages that have been internalized from these experiences like, oh, you're just a slut if you do that, or right. oh, good boys don't do that, or you're going to go to hell, or, you know, no one's going to want you if you do that. And these things that are, if the fears are so great that it, it literally stops people from pursuing, or they get at the same time they're getting turned on, this part is getting activated and they're getting turned off. You know, and they, they yeah. get into this kind of, dis they're disconnected, you know, from their their bodies and, and th those inner parts activate and, and kind of take over control even what, how someone approaches their desire. So uh, the great thing about stepping onto this journey to become sexually authentic, claiming your birthright is you will get to it. You can't go through it with, you can't reach that destination without also addressing all the things that are resisting or interfering with or are uh, in conflict with your desire you know so it's an opportunity then to to heal and address the these parts of you that are still triggered or still yeah. uh, traumatized you know that uh, if we we can the, the equation has been you just ignore the sexuality or, you know, you obsess in some other way uh, and avoid this or you put it into secrecy and hide. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, it will be important and it's not such a great opportunity to uh, grow through the healing and the resolution of what's harmed or hurt one in the past. Now, you mentioned that therapists, a lot of therapists think differently than you. Why specifically do they think that? What's their reasoning behind it? They're not educated. Hmm. Uh, they haven't had a, a psychological model that is updated to fit the current reality of, of human sexuality. Right. So they're going through college, through grad school, being taught uh, 30 years outdated information uh, about what sexuality is it's mostly looked at in the clinical and psychological academic models as uh what the focus has been on is uh, vaginismus erectile dysfunction hmm. and uh the paraphilias you know all the psychological deviancies and disorders of sexual behavior uh, no one's looking at wow, how are we teaching, how are we helping people to really enjoy their sexuality right. and really open up to it and recognize, oh, wow, people are so afraid to tell the truth. How can we help create a climate where it's encouraged to tell the truth about your sexuality and it's valued to tell the truth? So the psychological clinical model currently, even to, to today, is not uh, really addressing, I think, the, the deepest layers that are needing to be addressed to 
free people to be to enjoy their sexuality is it there's still people is it still hanging on to kind of this moral aspect of uh very kind of traditional sexual attitudes uh still pervasive in the culture i i believe that's true even though this is the scientific clinical <laughs> level of psychology yeah. you know i think uh people still bring their prejudices uh, yeah. and their internal uh, shadows and wounds. And, and this is unfortunately, uh, clinical psychology pretty much ignores the unconscious and doesn't pay uh, any attention at all to what some of these seemingly you know, evident aspects of, of uh, a human's experience uh, is. And so uh, it doesn't really have the tools to <coughs> address uh, through cognitive behavior therapy, you know, which is basically talk therapy or <coughs> some level of behavior modification efforts. Those don't stand a chance against when, when those triggers go off and someone's wounded part and the shadow that's there, you know, kind of just blows by yeah. and suddenly you're in this thing. You said, Oh, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm not, or, you know, you're out you know, get a pack of cigarettes when you say, no, I'm not going to smoke. And, yeah. You know, all the things that uh, oh, those elements override. Those are so basically, this is uh, sexual integration therapy is another way I look at it is called, I call it empowerment therapy. And this is the place uh, where when someone comes uh, and they haven't been being honest or and claim their birthright, uh, they have a disempowered sexuality. They have a part of them that has held power over their sexual uh, honesty and, and claiming who they are. And so this is the work then, you know, of uh, you literally have to take the power back from the mm. part of the psyche that has the power that has said no, you know, has denied the uh, freedom for that person to explore. So this is a uh something that kind of uh, works in the imaginal realm versus the cognitive realm you know the imaginal realm is the uh the symbolic the language is symbolism and symbolism is the language of the unconscious so to get to these there's literally a, a inner mythos going on so for instance when someone's disempowered sexually when they are afraid to speak and this shows up and it has a physical level too, because oftentimes clients come in there like, well, I was uh, trying, I wanted to talk about my, you know, right, there's like right. something is choking. Yeah. Literally muscularly, yeah. they are being choked off from being able to speak. Hmm. This part that wants to speak the truth, another part is muscularly going, no, don't wow. speak, you know? And so this is, once people start to notice wow i do i get that yeah my throat is muscles are constricted you know they can start to understand so who what's the message of that what trace it back and and get in touch with this little episode that probably happened between mom or dad and them when they were little and uh maybe they were playing with themselves and the mother saw don't you ever yeah. you know i like, can just right right you know and now the kid is like terrified uh right getting caught probably mostly because that doesn't no matter what happens your sexuality doesn't go away you might suppress it tamp it down you know hide it away divert it into other things but it's still it's a very powerful force that that doesn't go away it is kind of relentless and, and it'll eventually get someone i think to to finally yeah. come to terms with you know it because they're probably operating in some out of control, uh, out of integrity way. And, and that's where a lot of clients, you know, I look at if sex porn addiction therapy is working for someone, great. They're in the right place. You got it. That's good. But for many people, it does not, it's not an effective treatment. Mm. And so this is uh, why there needs to be alternatives to that therapeutic model and that narrative in the culture i mean it, it's everything is broad brushed with yeah. oh sec he's a sex addict you know i mean a little, what <laughs> how do you know i mean like there's no yeah uh that term gets thrown around pretty 
loosely sure and such um but yeah did i cover that oh yeah question? yeah completely yeah i know i am buzzing with questions <laughs> ideas and things mm-hmm. it makes me think of like what is the history of like kink and sexuality has this been more prevalent maybe in our history as humans than we have allowed ourselves to believe it has been? Oh, I think you can find references, you know, in the Romans and the Greeks, yeah. the Chinese or, or the, the Hindu, Indian uh, culture of all kinds of uh, this uh, sexual activity, you know, mm-hmm. kind of outside of the just uh, procreation level sex, you know, people have been exploring Eros and, and it's many dimensions uh, for, you know, thousands of years, certainly. And there's, there's a component here, uh, and this is what's emerging in the kink realm, I think is, uh, there's always been kind of a sacred sexuality component going on through the, the tantric eras and the Taoists mm-hmm. and, and such and the, the Orient there and uh, of really exploring the, the energy of, of the creative force, you know, this Eros life force and uh, channeling it in that way. And uh, I look at that there's two directions emerging here now, which that, you know, neo-tantra and these new sacred sexuality, mm-hmm. a lot of pride, a lot of that is really getting prevalent, has been prevalent in the culture in the last 30 years and is growing and people are very interested in that. And because it brings one into the heart and it, it's all about connection and depth. And, but it's also uh, a, a, an ascent. It's, it's rising up to heaven. It's aspiring to the universal, to be, mm. uh, uh, to dissolve the ego, to let go of the self, yeah. to, to merge into this universal identity. Um, kink, I think, is the opposite. That's an mm. ascent. Kink is a descent. Interesting. It's a descent into the past, into the history, into the body into rhythm, into movement, into our ancestry, into nature, into the cycles of the rhythms of the world, of the seasons and the tides and the sunrise and the sunsets and the moon cycles and where our heritage came from, our ancestors all were attuned into that patterns, those rhythms, because that was, they were attuned to nature. So they they, they, uh, moved in those uh, types of, framework so but this descent is a is a i think another path is someone can go into their authenticity who it's personal rather than universal no i want to get into myself i want to get into me my truth my authenticity and my body you know because this is an embodied state where the other is disembodied you're leaving your body and this is about no i'm going into my body and i'm getting into my dance and my movement and my breath and my also, this is a descent down into the mammalian and reptilian heritage of our consciousness, which we still possess. You know, all of our gestures yes. are mammalian and reptilian, of, <sighs> just or, or, you know, surrender. I mean, these are ancient yeah. gestures that have come from the pre civilized uh, eras of humanity where we were and still are today animals you know so we possess and this is where i think kink somehow or other is eroticization of uh, these instinctual heritages you know this is coming from our instinct at the beast level uh, of us to you know ravage to take down to hunt i mean we the the sexual drive is is much like a predator in a way you know it's on the hunt and seeking out and and you know strategizing and it's a persona of its own that that, you know kind of has its own way of looking at the yeah the world and this is where uh you know the maturity this is also all the things i'm talking about requires this step up into maturity into adult behavior all sexuality requires mature adult behavior to do well, to do safely, to do, you know, in an encouraging way and an educated way, et cetera. So um, this is really important to have an expression. I said that 
and I also call it the sex creature affectionately. Mm. You know, this this separate persona that has its own thing, and it's like uh, know when to leash and unleash your sex creature. Yeah, you know, this this is the adult uh, way because it 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 really this is why the compulsive sexuality is so, is so destructive in many ways because this part of the persona. If it's running loose, if it's running the show, mm-hmm. if I'm disempowered and I'm compulsively doing some sexual behavior that is ultimately putting me at risk for many things uh, and uh, is harming others even perhaps, and I can't stop it, that means I'm disempowered uh, and, and my sex creature is running the show. Yeah. You know, it, the, the process is I, get, I need to recognize that, wow, that's my responsibility I'm the adult here, and this part is, you know, doesn't give a shit if I go down, if I get ruined, if I am financially bankrupt. Uh, It's not going to stop because it doesn't. It's it's not. It doesn't think that way. It's it's not concerned with such things. So this is my responsibility to take back my power from uh, a situation like that. How do you? Man, I had a big thought about this and you talk about the, kind of this adult maturity aspect and the sexual creature. How do you deal with that with adolescents as they're coming into the ideas and thoughts and actions related to sex and explaining mm-hmm. this to them? Well, that's almost an impossible in the moment <laughs> a thing to address because yeah. we've so long neglected this idea of sex education and and responsible education for adolescents right at the cusp of this this uh, very potent powerful part of themselves uh, are virtually given no insight or understanding or education or socialization of, of how do you both talk about these things and also how do you then understand uh the boundaries you know, I used to lead a, uh, I was a, uh, uh, in an organization called Boys to Men, and we put on rite of passage weekends for boys in uh, 12 to 17 year old boys. Uh, and when I first joined, I was excited on Sunday, they had a, uh, the agenda for the weekend, you know, was, uh, you know, sex talk. Uh, at 1 p.m. on Sunday or something and I was oh this is great you know I was really excited and and we are going through the outline and we as a group before the weekend began and we get to that part and the leaders say well we're just going to take this out because you know we we try to talk they don't want to talk we don't know what to say and you know this was like and I like stood up and said we are an organization dedicated to initiating young boys into mature responsible masculine masculinity and we're going to leave out sexuality you know words we're st- you know this is you know i said i'll i'll do it i'll yeah. let me take it i'll do it so but i learned from that that really it's just these kids have an instinctual morality or maturity already in them my, it was my experience that uh, once i got them to talk start talking i got them to start talking about it. i said what's the right age to have sex yeah for you and i said there you know and so everybody went it just opened them right up and they wow. started talking about uh their personal experiences you know from oh i already have a 15 year old oh, i have a kid already yeah. to yeah uh, i want to wait till i'm married before i have sex i mean it, it was across the board but they were all uh, so open with each other and respectful of other different views and and had the ability to understand oh yeah i love to have sex oh this is great man i can oh pregnancy are you thinking about pregnancy yeah ah oh you know you start to bring them in touch with especially it was you know when other young men but anyway the the point was yeah we are so far behind in uh, offering i think sensible or, or helpful uh sex education because even we don't have sex education for adults you know we don't right the, right. the adults don't know what just like this example i gave you know people want to oh i don't want to have to we don't talk about it that's the best way yeah it's crazy and so then it just perpetuates this cycle of generation after generation but do you see that changing at some point 
Well, that's kind of my mission, you know, yeah. is to, I, I kind of put myself out there and to speak in these regards as we're speaking today to start to bring some uh, illumination to these issues and concerns. And, uh, and I think we're, uh, I think there's a lot of desire to put this. I think there's a lot of disagreement about what is the best or how you, I mean, that's the hard part is to create a curriculum that is agreed upon by all parties is, is almost next to impossible in right. this severely polarized time that we are in. You know, everything is politicized. And so therefore it yeah. really loses the truth in there or the wisdom or or they think the the, the highest good uh aid yeah. should be involved. That's, my, that's just my two cents on well it's interesting too like you know i've seen in different states where they put on like ballots about offering sex education that Mm -hmm. you know people vote on and then you have people on one side was like oh yeah this is this is important you know we need to teach this and then you have other side of people say well are you teaching you know children you know the adolescents about sexual positions really and it's like strange because like well wait a minute like so the answer is nothing or like this really (laughs) really is you know watered down nothingness of sex like they're gonna do it it's not like they're not going to (laughs) i mean that's the foolishness of the whole thing it's like you know that what they if they don't get good information they're gonna go with bad information they're gonna do it (laughs) you know so like don't you want if you're gonna be doing something throughout your life more than like don't you want to have the education behind it it's like I don't know how to do a lot of things, but I just go and do it and they'll figure, just figure it out. Like, I guess we do that a lot as humans, but it sure be better to have good guidance on it, you know? Oh, totally. I mean, sex is very complicated. It is complex and it requires uh, some insight. Like I'm trying to lay down through my research and, yeah. and being able to talk of, uh, and plus we are in such a sex negative cultural environment that by the time we are adults or young adults or whenever we're wanting to engage in sex we're for the most part uneducated clumsy uh nervous uh you know disembodied disconnected i mean we don't uh have people understand the the pace of sexuality Mm -hmm. uh the components of being embodied being present being in your breath, being mindful, you know, getting there, right there in the right. moment with your partner, you know, be there, be embodied there fully. That's where you can begin to really explore the body, both sensually, uh, but also sexually, you know, and they're two different things that they and they're both important to explore. So people should be a, being educated just to explore touch, non-erotic touch right. with their right. partner and just being close together and just exploring and be curious so that, you know, that really brings an intimacy to the connection, uh, which is so, again, so missing in most of our, how we have learned to have sex. People don't consider this, uh, the value of, of, I mean, we talk a lot about foreplay, but nobody really knows what it is. What exactly <laughs> is it? So, well, you're supposed yeah. to not rush right into it. Okay. Yeah. That's foreplay. Yeah. We make out a lot and stuff, but there's a, uh, this other level of the dimension of, of our bodies that's uh, again we're missing out on this rich experience of life by not being open to being touched and to touching our partners again not it can lead to eros but if you just yeah. start, stay in the zone for a while of not thinking about the sexual possibilities mm-hmm. but just enjoying being touched being held uh you know looking deeply at your partner this is uh, another important component of the whole sexual journey to, to build the intimacy and the connection and the trust. Because if you're going into the edgier, edgier realms of sexuality, it takes tremendous trust to do yeah. that well. And, and so that's why you want to begin that kind of excursion uh, with building connection, getting clear in your negotiation about, well, what's the boundaries before we begin? I mean, no, you know, just turn the lights off, jump in bed and have sex. Yeah. Well, you can do that. Most people do, but it's great. It's even opens it up the territory better when you can get clear about what's wanted and what's not wanted uh, and, and how you engage in sexual fantasy with a partner. 
Most definitely. Yeah. You know what's interesting? I find with uh, the millennial generation, they take a lot of hits from a lot of different <laughs> things. But one thing that, uh, you know, I'm talking to a lot of people and, um, and research and things we're seeing, I guess apparently that millennials really struggle with sex because apparently a lot of it, you know, is the, the advent of technology and pornography and the ease of access to it is generally their first experience for a lot of people is just watching porn to learn how to have sex with. Have you seen that yeah. as a thing or are you seen different um, information? Um, what would you say? What is the thing that yeah. millennials are? They're, that uh, well, they struggle with, with intimacy and actually, um, especially males, what I've, what I've read and seen is like with getting stimulated, having an erection, um, with a in person, they struggle with that versus they they get stimulated by pornography. It seems like is what I've seen. Yeah. Versus the actual being with somebody, <laughs> they struggle with that. Yeah, I mean, this is a whole new ball game uh, of the yeah. generations that are coming up in this digital mm -hmm. era. That you know, I grew up in the '50s, so I was like, you know, on a <laughs> bicycle and, and walking out to the ball field and, right. I mean it, it was just the pace and then the attention was on a much different yeah. thing so I, but I think it is evident that boys and girls you know going through adolescence are again we we, we are terrible we're lacking in the education to understand they're living their life in disembodied states and yeah unsocialized uh no pro social practices to help them and and so then they come a little older and they they have so sex is much safer to have online on a digit on a screen than to actually in front of another person you know i mean this is the fear the i mean everybody also has their individual traumas or, or violations or shamings that, that might have already happened yeah. to them along the way as well. So those are impacting when they meet in person and, and want to engage because there's a, a, a probably a part of them that's in hyper terror of, <clears throat> again, when you try to talk or like, you know, or look at, you know, they so yeah, let's turn the lights out. I don't want to look. I don't want to see. Right. I don't want to have to sp say anything. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I find this is, uh, yeah, it's nobody knows what the impact of that screen addiction um, might be and its effect on socialization and, and yeah. socializing or, you know, uh, engaging with life partners, even how is this going to play out? I have, it's hard to say, I think. What I is, think it says that we should be thinking of these things yeah. and, and really helping these kids come back to, hey, let's get embodied. Let's get connected to people and, yeah, uh, here and let's uh, talk about uh, the things that are, you know, we might be struggling with or what do we need help with? Most definitely. And, you know, I think you have a unique perspective because you grew up in a time when it uh, was probably extremely taboo to have these type of discussions. And so what has changed the most from then to now that you have observed in, re in relation to sexual discussions related to these things? Yeah. Well, on the positive note, there is a lot of uh, progress has been made. Uh, a lot of uh, distant ground has been covered yeah. since uh, I grew up and, you know, I went to Catholic school with the Sisters of St. Joseph, mm -hmm. you know, all women and boys school, Christian Brothers of Ireland, you know, in the, in the high school. And uh, so everything about sex was, it's the devil. It's of, you know, mm -hmm. the flesh, it's corrupt. Uh, you know, and there, it was a very dark uh, view of sexuality. So I think now, especially with the uh, efforts of, of the gay and lesbian communities or since the 50s uh, forward have really brought sexuality more uh, out front uh, of the uh, public view, you know, it's not such a structured, uh, moralized thing. I mean, it still is in many avenues or many regards, but there's much, a great part of the population has kind of grown forward a step forward to become more tolerant, more acceptable, more educated, uh, more open to their own sexual exploration. And uh, that's kind of, I think, turning the tide. I mean, you see, boy, there's uh, every 
stripe of uh, sex therapist and, and mm. coach and uh, workshops and, Most definitely. and all kinds of topics. And so uh, it's really, uh, it's kind of in the market now. Literally, it's kind of gained economic status where people yeah. are making a living from uh, helping and supporting others on their sexual journey. It was interesting. So it's quite a big change. It is. And like now, like we're in June, it's Pride Month, right? And so mm -hmm. it's, yeah, the whole and, month. You, and you see, even like if you go on apps and stuff, you'll see on the app, it'll have the rainbow on there, the different colors. And I think to myself, 10 years ago, five years ago, you would have never seen that. You would have never seen any real acknowledgement of that. Yes. And, and, and gender, understanding gender, we have a, a much better um, idea of gender and, and acceptance of different aspects of gender and how people view that. It feels like we're heading in the right direction as kind of a movement towards all these discussions. You know? Yeah, and I would include kink in, in that yeah. coming out party. Uh, right, well, right. Where, you know, where, uh, you know, the book Fifty Shades of Grey and the movies, mm -hmm. I mean, illustrated well, I think it would have sold 150 million copies. There was quite an interest in uh, kink activities. Yeah. A lot of people didn't like the book or, or what it uh, might have been saying or not. But I mean, the point for me was, whoa, 150 million people bid on this and are, you know, yeah. probably because they were turned on, it was exciting sexually. Yeah. Uh, to them so that's why they wanted to read it because they you know, their hunger the yearning uh, is is so innate in, in and uh, instinctual that you know uh, that part of us is, is really happy to get turned on or find something uh, you know incur appealing that way I think so this is yeah this is the most uh, I think this is a this is we are in an unprecedented era in the history of the civilization uh, of having this much sexuality coming out on globally all around the world right now that's never happened before yeah. so and i and i think it puts an onus on us because of the problems there's many problems with that because people are rushing they're so excited they're rushing into things <laughs> and, and they really don't know they're like yeah. greenhorns you know out in the wild west you know you can easily get fleeced or yeah. or shaken down or or have bad experiences etc because we're lacking uh it's in this adolescent phase where yes. it is still like a teenager and it's irresponsible and reckless and uneducated and so this needs this is where the therapy model needs to catch up to this uh what's happening and, and the people's learn uh, not having the proper education or insight or a personal integrity yet to operate their sexuality and and they're running into big problems that's why you know people come to the therapist because they're out there trying to go at it and boom they're starting to face or come in contact with deeper issues around their sexuality that are, yeah. are just simply calling to be addressed you know and that's a that's a very good thing i, I think if you hear the call yeah if you pay attention it's you know it just it kind of it's different, but the same. It kind of reminds me of kind of like when we had the internet, we got the internet, you know, the beginning of the internet and especially in the nineties, it's like, oh, this is interesting. And all of a sudden we start opening up to the world and chat rooms and stuff. And, but we, we haven't, we weren't mature with it. And in many ways we still aren't. And now we see kind of the, the upside, but also many downsides to the digital age. And it feels like this age of uh, openness with sexuality, like the floodgates are opening, but we're not mature yet with it. So now it's like everybody, oh yes, we're ready to talk about sex. Let's have sex. It's all these different things and kink. And, but wait, wait, we need to be educated on this. We can't just like go out there and the dam is open, you know? Educated and, and have a commitment to being integrity. You know, mm. I mean, the fear of, you know, we have a, we're in an epidemic of, uh, people leading secret sex lives mm. and I think this is a uh, an unnoticed or an unspoken problem or issue but I think it, it's a prevalent uh, as evidenced by uh, the, the billion dollar porn sex porn addiction industry yeah. I mean there's a lot of people who are uh, operating you know uh, without integrity and uh, 
this is what's being called for now, the, the recognition like, whoa, I have a responsibility if I'm going to operate my sexuality to operate it in an educated, responsible, mature way that's an integrity, that's transparent, that, you know, I'm clear with my partners about my intention and, and what I desire, I, that I respect their boundaries. You know, this is the the education that's needed is it's not that complicated, you know, it's just right. you know, operate with integrity, you know, tell, tell the truth, but be transparent about what you desire, respect someone else's boundaries and enjoy yourself. It's not much more complicated than that. Yeah. Wow. I tell you what, this is awesome. I mean, like I've talked to several people about, you know, similar things like this. And I feel like I'm talking to more and more people, which I think is a good sign that more people are like yourself, are educated, research oriented with it. And they're not looking, they're looking at it like, hey, we need to really be open, but we need to be educated about it. So thank you for being on to discuss it in this manner, Galen. It's really eye-opening mm -hmm. in many ways. Well, it was a real pleasure to speak with you and I hope the, uh, and with the audience as well. I really appreciate it. And so it. thank you for offering and being open, you know, aiming, the uh you know giving content to your listeners you know, yeah that, i mean i think it's important it's kind of like there's a lot of things to talk about in life and there's a lot of things that we gloss over because we go well that's too controversial or that's too intimate or too personal i think it's just better to have the conversation why don't we just talk about it we'll see where we land from there you know i agree so Galen, thank you so much. I appreciate you tremendously and I look forward to catching up with you another time. Hope we do it again, Darian. All right, thanks. Thank Bye. you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the rate and review section. Thanks, everyone. Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? Well, there is a nice piece of stock music playing behind me that a talented composer worked really hard on. So let's enjoy it. Wow, almost overshadows the saving big when you switch to Progressive part. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Any workout, any mood, any time. That's what the Peloton Tread is all about. From interval runs that motivate you to go the extra mile, power walks that work up a sweat, rolling hill hikes for you to enjoy, and full body boot camps to hit your goals. Plus thousands of workouts that go beyond the tread. Strength programs, core classes, yoga, Pilates, and even boxing. Everything you need on and off the Peloton Tread. Experience it all for yourself with a 30-day home trial. Learn more at OnePeloton.com.